we have heard it so many times. Just so, so many times that at this point, it is entirely cliché. Entirely uninteresting, entirely expected, not surprising at all, isn't it? I'm not talking about this morning's reading, of course, from the the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, but I am instead talking about those interviews that we hear almost every night on the local news. You know the ones I'm talking about. It's those interviews they do with the neighbors of those who have been recently discovered to have committed one heinous crime or another, be it a Ponzi scheme or a bank heist or an axe murder, something along those lines. And without fail, right, they go up to the neighbors of that person who just got found out who have committed this crime, and they hold a microphone up to that, the lips of that neighbor, and that neighbor says, not in a million, billion years would I ever have expected that old Bill next door was an axe murderer. I never would have guessed that he was the nicest guy. He'd always wave at me when he was out walking his dog and... And yes, he did have a large axe collection, and and come to think of it, he didn't have any trees on his property, but, but you would never have guessed it. Again, he was the nicest guy. You would never suspect that he was capable of doing such a thing. Have you seen that interview before? Yeah, I think we've all seen it. If you haven't, go home and watch the local news tonight. You will see at least one of those interviews. But you better believe, you better believe that that grace that all of us extends to our neighbors, that grace that says that they are not the kind of person who would ever do that sort of thing, that grace that we extend to our neighbors is a grace that we extend to ourselves tenfold, if not a thousandfold. Right? Because even when we get found out committing our own crimes, even when we get found out lying and cheating and stealing... It's not that we're liars. It's not that we're thieves. right? It's not that we're we're betrayers. No, none of that. It's just that we are highly complex individuals with highly complex interior lives. And external circumstances just conspired to back us into this corner where we had no choice but to lie or to cheat or to steal because we are not the type of person who would ever do that sort of thing. We extend that grace to ourselves tenfold. Now, is that a form of self-delusional thinking? Yes, it is. Uh, But is that a kind of thinking that all of us engages in at one point or another? Also, yes, it is. Which is why this morning's reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 14 is so very remarkable. Because in this morning's story, Jesus and the disciples are gathered in Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover. The Passover, of course, is a, a Jewish holiday. Uh, it is a yearly commemoration of the, the Israelites' emancipation from Egyptian slavery. And in Jesus' day, it was commemorated with a seven-day festival of feasting and making burnt sacrifices to God. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, absolutely no expense was spared uh, in, in buying food for this festival and buying burnt offerings for this festival, even among the poorest of the poor. 
And Jesus and the disciples, they are no exception. They gathered together in Jerusalem to eat and to drink and to laugh and to sing together and just revel in the joyful atmosphere that would have pervaded through Jerusalem. As Jews from all corners of the country would have come to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate this festival together. And it's in the middle of this revelry, this eating, this drinking, this laughing, this singing together, that Jesus drops quite a bomb. He says, truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. One of you right here, right now, eating and drinking and laughing and singing with me is going to betray me. And the disciples, the disciples' response is remarkable. Because rather than jumping immediately to denials, like I think most of us would, and certainly I would, rather than saying, no, Jesus, I wouldn't possibly do that. I'm not that kind of person. I would never betray you, not in a million, billion years. Rather than jumping immediately to denials, each of the disciples, one after the other, says to Jesus, it isn't me, is it? It isn't me, Is it? It isn't me, is it? And that is a genuine, honest-to-God question they are asking Jesus. Am I the one who is going to betray you? That is a genuine question. And in asking that question, essentially what the disciples are saying is, yeah, I am definitely the kind of person who would do that sort of thing. I'm definitely the kind of person who would betray you, Jesus. So, I mean, is it me? Am I the one going to do that? Because I definitely have that propensity in my heart. I'd be the kind of person who does that. So then rather with responding to Jesus' accusation with denial, they respond with this just remarkable, breathtaking honesty. And this openness to to self-examination where they're willing to look at the deepest, darkest recesses of their heart to see what is lurking around inside there. And so the question I want to ask this morning, both for us as individuals and especially for us as a church, is what is it, right? What is it that enabled the disciples to respond to Jesus with just such radical honesty, with with such openness to self-examination, like they did. And the answer that that we find in the story today, I think, is that Jesus went to great lengths to create a space of absolute and unconditional welcome. He went to great lengths to create a space of absolute and unconditional welcome. So like most any party that is hosted by adults, This Passover feast didn't just happen. People just didn't show up with a keg of beer and decide to have a party. Uh, But rather, it was the result of extensive planning and preparation. We see in the story that Jesus had prearranged that he would rent or borrow this room from one of his followers. Uh, The man in the story is unnamed, but presumably he was a rich man with a big house with lots of different rooms in it. And Jesus had also prearranged this secret sign by which this rich man's servant would make himself known to the disciples. 
And specifically that sign was that he'd be walking around Jerusalem with a water pot, uh, which is a weird detail. Uh, so, little side note here. Uh, at the time, uh, it was cultural convention that women would be the one in the household who would go to the town well to fetch water and bring it back to the house. Uh, so women were the ones who would be carrying water pots and water pitchers around. Uh, and it was seen as extremely emasculating for a man to be walking around in public with a water pot. Uh, and in fact, in the book of Joshua, uh, a group of men tell a lie to Joshua. Uh, and his punishment for them is they have to walk around carrying water pots. So, uh, so that is to say that a man carrying a water pot around Jerusalem would stick out like a sore thumb. He'd be easy to spot. And sure enough, the, the disciples go into the city. They, they immediately see the man carrying a water pot. Uh, they go up to them, introduce themselves, and they are taken to this rich man's home uh, where they are shown to the now famous upper room. And when they get to the upper room, they, they get to work getting it ready for this party. And remember, this is a dinner party for 13 people, Jesus and 12 disciples. Uh, So that is not an insignificant amount of work to do. And they get right to it. They they ready the table. They put out the cups, the plates, the the pot, the vessel of water that would be used so they could richly wash their hands uh, before they started dinner. And I think it's important to note that the, the dishes they would be using is not china. It's not glass that they're using. All of this is made of stone. So they're getting a good bicep workout, right? As they're putting all this stuff on the table, they're working up a good lather. And when the table is all set, the room is all ready, then they have to get to work getting all the food, the lamb, the wine, the unleavened bread. Even in the first century, a party is a party, and there's all these details that have to come together to make it happen. And at the behest of Jesus, the disciples did all that needed doing. And then evening came, and it came time for the party itself. And all of the disciples were welcomed into that well-prepared room by Jesus. All of the disciples, even Judas, the betrayer. All of the disciples, including Judas, were welcomed into that room, were made to feel welcomed and loved and taken care of. All of the disciples shared in the eating and the drinking and the laughing and the singing. The Gospel of Mark does not mention this, but the Gospel of John tells us that partway through that dinner, Jesus stopped. And one by one, he went and washed the feet of each of the disciples, one after the other, including the feet of Judas, the betrayer. And after he had washed their feet, he took bread and he said, this bread is my body. And he took wine and said, this wine is my blood. And he gave it to them, all of the disciples, including Judas, the betrayer. So all of this is to say that Jesus went to great lengths to make sure that everyone was welcome, that everyone was loved, that everyone was cared for. He went to great lengths to create this space of absolute and unconditional welcome. And you know, when you throw a party to which even Judas is welcome, 
Of course, all the other attendees, everybody else in that guest list is more than welcome to show up just as they are. Right? Not just with their gifts and graces, but also with all that brokenness and baggage that they bring along with them, that all of us bring along with us. Everybody else on that guest list is welcome to show up and be honest and engage in that that honest and radical self-examination. See what's really lurking in the darkest recesses of our hearts. It was the space of absolute and unconditional love that made that possible. But it also needs to be said that that absolute and, and unconditional welcome It didn't come out just out of nowhere. Jesus didn't extend this welcome to them just because he was a nice guy. Not because it was the politically correct thing to do. Not because it was the fashionable thing to do. That welcome came out of a well, a deep well of love inside of Jesus. And it had to. Because where else could it possibly come from? Where else is a welcome to, to uh, someone who is going to, to betray you in just a day's time? How can you play host to someone who is going to betray you if not outside of a place of deep, deep love? What kind of love is that? What kind of love is it that, that would enable someone to eat and drink and sing alongside of someone that that in just a matter of hours is going to turn you over to your worst enemies. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that that would enable a person to to wash the feet of someone who is uh, is conspiring to kill you? What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that would enable someone to offer a, a space of unconditional and absolute welcome like Jesus did. And at the time, the disciples certainly didn't understand, and they really wouldn't understand until after the events of Easter. But they would see that 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 love, where did that kind of love come from? It comes from someone who was willing to let their body be broken like bread and their blood be poured out like wine for the sake of all others. Absolute welcome coming from absolute love. That, that is what allowed the disciples to be so honest with themselves and search themselves so thoroughly. See what was in the darkest recesses of their hearts. And so my hope for, for us, certainly as a church community, is that we would offer a similar welcome to all people. In fact, that's why we have that, that sign out there with a the little rainbow on it, on our front sign in the yard. That's why we have a banner outside declaring that this is a space that's open to all sorts of different kinds of neighbors. That's why we have a, a communion table uh, to which we invite all people, whether you are a liar or a cheater, whether you are a, a betrayer, uh, whether you are an axe murderer, so long as you keep your axe murdering outside these walls. You are welcome to this table. And we extend that welcome, right? Not because we are nice people, not because it's politically correct, not because it's fashionable, but we extend that absolute welcome because we have first been loved absolutely in Christ.
Friends, thanks be to God. Amen.